to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Today, it's my honour to kick off a brand new series here at Life that we're calling Jesus Is. This series is going to go for four weeks, including this Sunday. But in reality, every series is about Jesus. Every message is about Jesus. Everything we do here at Life is about Jesus. And our prayer is that over the next four weeks, God would do something so deep on the inside of us that we would never, ever take for granted who Jesus is and the gift of God that He's given to us. So Father, I pray that today as we kick off this brand new series, whether we're in the auditorium here in Auckland, whether we are in homes in Melbourne or whether we're joining online through one of the TV networks, God, would You do something inside of us? We open our hearts, we open our minds and we say, Jesus, would You reveal Yourself to us? We need You, we love You, we honour You and we thank You in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we honour these guys who every week have led us online so beautifully in worship? That is awesome. Hey, so Amanda and I have been married for 21 years. No, 22, 20-something years this year. And it's been the greatest ride of my life. It's been a heck of a ride for her and the greatest ride of my life. Uh, But when we first started dating, we were about a week into dating and I had to go away on a two and a half week trip with the boss I was then working for. And the day before I left, Amanda handed me this envelope and said, I don't want you to open this until the first morning that you wake up in the destination you're going to. I'm like, oh, I've got to be honest with you. Patience was not a gift I was given, probably because you're supposed to develop it, but it wasn't a gift I was given. And Uh, All I wanted to do from the time I left to the time I woke up the next morning was open this envelope. I opened the envelope and inside the envelope is an envelope for every day that I was gone. Yeah, I know. Every morning I'd wake it up and there'd be a letter telling me how much she missed me or there'd be a poem about what was going to take place in the future in terms of our relationship and connection, or there was a memory, uh, or there was a little gift. I think there was a few little chocolates in there. And every day I woke up, I'd open a new envelope and there'd be something different. There'd There'd be a new message. There'd be a new something that she wanted to let me know about for that day. And I've got to tell you, it's been 22 years since I've received an envelope with a whole lot of envelopes in it. And I'm praying, Lord, today let conviction come in Jesus' Name. But, but I've got to tell you, on that trip, every day there was a something new or a something fresh. And can I tell you that when it comes to Jesus, we will never exhaust who Jesus is. We will never discover the fullness of who He is, His love for us and our family in Melbourne. When the season goes on longer than you think it should, He's not abandoned and He's not worried, but His plan is still there. God's got this and God's got you. And whatever season we find ourselves in, Jesus is enough. This whole series is called Jesus is dot, dot, dot. You know what the dot, dot, dot is? It's the answer to whatever it is that you need. In times of discouragement, Jesus is encouragement. In times of hopelessness, Jesus is hope. In times of loneliness, Jesus draws near. And I've got to tell you, religion will never answer what Jesus can answer. And Jesus is 
everything to us. And this whole book is about Jesus. Every verse, every chapter, uh, there are 66 books in the Bible. There are 1,189 chapters. There are 31,102 verses. And can I tell you, every verse, every word is to reveal Jesus to us, is to bring Him front and centre, to reveal His love and His character and His steadfastness and the fact that His promises are yes and amen. Every promise that God makes is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And whatever it is you're facing the first thing that you could do is say, Jesus, who are you in this situation? Because every verse, every chapter of this book is to reveal Jesus. In Genesis, He is the breath of life. In Exodus, He is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, He is the high priest. In Numbers, He is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, He is the prophet likened unto Moses. In Joshua, He is the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, He is the judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, He is our kingsman, redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, He is the seed of David. In Kings and Chronicles, He is our reigning king. In Ezra, He is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, He is the builder of everything broken. Is anyone thankful that He builds broken things, that He takes broken things and He puts them back together? In Esther, He is our advocate. In Job, He is our ever-living Redeemer. In Psalms, He is our shepherd. In Proverbs, He is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, He is our meaning of life. In the Song of Solomon, He is our loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, He is the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, in Lamentations, He is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, He is our glorious Lord. In Daniel, He is the fourth man in the fire. You do not go through the fire alone because Jesus is in the fire. In Ezekiel, He is glorious Lord. In Hosea, He is faithful husband. In Joel, in Hosea, He is faithful husband. And I've got a real sense that there are single mums in our church and who will find this series somehow online. And you'll discover, although you're a single mum, you're not alone. That Jesus is enough for you to raise those kids, to set a foundation of hope and godliness in those kids' lives. In Joel, he is the outpourer of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he is the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is the judge and savior. In Jonah, he is the risen prophet. In Micah, he is the ruler of the world. In Nahum, he is the stronghold. In Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I lived in America. In Habakkuk, he is the watchman. In Zephaniah, he is mighty to save. Come on, anyone thankful for Jesus? In Haggai, he is the restorer. In Zechariah, he is the one pierced for us. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. In Matthew, he is the son of the living. God, in Mark, the miracle worker, Luke, the son of man, John, the living word, the way, the truth, and the life. In Acts, he is the saviour of the world. In Romans, he is the justifier. In 1 Corinthians, the resurrection. 2 Corinthians, our comfort. In Galatians, he is our liberty. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is our joy. In Colossians, he is the glue that holds our world together. Not politics, not right policy, not a vaccine. Jesus is the glue 
that holds the world together. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is coming king. In Timothy, he is mediator. In Philemon, he is benefactor. In Titus, he is blessed hope. In Hebrews, he is perfection. In James, he is the power behind our faith. In Peter, he is the chief shepherd and chief cornerstone. In John, he is our truth and everlasting life. In Jude, he is our security. And in Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. And whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. And our prayer is that this would be one of the most significant freeing series potentially that we've done in 29 years. That as we get a revelation of Jesus, like we do in every message we preached, that our life would be changed. Matthew chapter four, verse 18 says this, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, that he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their father and followed him. Do you know, like Jesus called the apostles, he's calling you and I. Not into religion, but into a relationship with him where day by day, whatever it is we're facing, whatever it is we're going through, we can follow Him. He's not calling us to practice a ritual or ascribe to a doctrine or to abide by some moral law. We are His disciples. We walk alongside Him and our goal is to emulate Him in every situation. And church, I've got to tell you, when you know who's at the center of everything, it changes everything. When I go into a challenge and I know who's with me, it changes everything. And today, I think some of us are gonna walk out of here with our heads lift a little bit higher because we know Jesus is right beside us walking through the challenges of life. And today, we're gonna focus on the fact that Jesus is a constant redeemer. He's a constant, not He once redeemed, but He is a constant redeemer. Redeemer, You know, to redeem is to buy back, to compensate for lack or to close the gap. I think every one of us, whether we are online or whether we're in the auditorium, can relate at one time or another of feeling like we've blown it. Come on, we've fallen short. There's a gap between where I am and where I wanna be. There's a gap between my life now and where I know God's called me to be. Or there is a buyback. Anyone remember the day that Jesus found you where you are and you discovered Him as the Saviour of your soul and the Redeemer between where I am and a God who loves me? He, he closes the gap and He buys back the things that He loves. And I wanna read you a Facebook post from one of our Melbourne family, actually, and uh, he's more than our Melbourne family. He happens to be my brother-in-law. And we love you, Jace. We honour you for this that you wrote. But Jason is Amanda's older brother, and in August of this year, he wrote this Facebook post. And I wanna read it to you because I think it depicts the reality of what someone feels when they encounter Jesus as their Redeemer. 
You may or may not be aware that in late 2019, my wife and I reconnected with God and started going to church again after 20 years of being very distant and uncommitted, walking on our own path. If you ever asked me if I was a Christian, I would say yes. But the reality was Jesus was one of the last things on my mind. However, I knew one thing. God had never left my side. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am today. We are now just over six months into our new journey with the Lord and are committed to going to church every week. We have found a great church with a great bunch of people who are supporting us and helping us grow. Side note, side note that's why when we can meet in person, do everything you can to meet in person because there's nothing like relationship. Little did we know in December last year that 2020 would turn out as it has. And I just thank the Lord that we reconnected back then. As each day since then, especially in the last four months as things have gotten tougher, I have grabbed a hold of his arm and not let it go. He is the reason. I get up in the morning and put my CEO hat on and can stand up straight. God gives me the clarity and peace and strength to lead our team and my family each day. There is no way I could have this peace and I could have this positive mindset if it wasn't for God's help. Again, I would share that I could definitely not be anyone in the last 20 years that would inspire people to reach out to God as I was a hypocrite in the biggest sense of the word. Here's this. But the reality is God accepts all where they're at. He created us all. He knew exactly what you and I would be doing today and what you would be doing as you read this. Nothing surprises him. He always knew it. He always, always, always has a handout ready to pick us up when we ask. I'll say it again. Over the last 20 years, I've done some really stupid things, things that I'm embarrassed about, things that I'm not proud of, and some things I convinced some of you to join me in doing. But when I reached out to God, he accepted me as I was, and he will accept you. He accepts all people as they are. As it's a journey from here, my wife and I are now on that journey, and it's fair to say we have a long way to go. So I plead with you to listen to this one request. If you're looking for peace and clarity and strength at this time, give Jesus a chance because he has filled the hope that I needed. Friend, today, whether you're in the auditorium, whether you're online, there are certain areas in your world that maybe you've disqualified yourself. If you would just lift your eyes, you would see Jesus with his arms outstretched saying, I haven't disqualified you. Run to me. You know, the difference between religion and Jesus is his constant redemption, his commitment to fill the gap and to buy back. And here's my whole message in one sentence today. If you write anything down, write this down. Redemption is both an eternal moment and a daily process. Redemption is both an eternal moment 
and a daily process. There's a moment where every one of us has the opportunity to accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and we secure our eternal destiny. We secure the fact that never again we will be separated from the God who loves us. But friend, Jesus is so good that it doesn't stop there. You don't just get a ticket to heaven out of redemption. You get a Saviour. I get a Saviour who walks with me in the challenges of every day and He wants to buy back and He wants to close the gap because even after I have committed my life to Jesus, 25 years ago, there's been many times where I need His redemptive power to close the gap and buy back again. And redemption, friend, is both an eternal moment and a daily process. It it, it affects our eternity, but it affects our here and now. And one of the greatest stories of redemption in the Bible is the prodigal son. It's a story of when a son goes to his father and says, Dad, I'm done. I've had enough. I want all of my inheritance now and I'm gonna leave the family. I'm gonna walk away. I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna live life on my own terms. I'm gonna break relationship. I'm out of here. And the Bible says he went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And in the Bible, Jerusalem is a blessed place. Jericho is not a blessed place. And and he walks away from God, goes from Jerusalem to Jericho. He spends all of his money and he finds himself after a period of time broken on the inside. He's, He's not just broke, financially, but he's broken on the inside. He's working for a guy who owns pig farms. And if you know anything about the Jewish culture, the worst thing you want to do is be in a pig farm. And the Bible says he finds himself in a pig pen. And he comes to himself and he says, I don't want to be here. Maybe if I just go home and Ask my dad to accept me as his servant because I've done too much to be accepted as his son. I need to go back and say, I'll be your servant. So he sets off back home. And in Luke 15, 20, we break into the story. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. Friend, listen to me. Jesus is constant redeemer and when you turn back, he's not filled with the bony finger of accusation. He's filled with love and compassion for anyone who runs back. He ran to his son and he embraced him. He kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and cover him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead, but now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So let the party begin. You know, when I was studying this week, I've read something that I will never forget and I don't think you'll forget it either. I've read that story dozens of times. And every time I read the line where it says, the father got up and ran to him when he saw him afar off, I thought, that's, that's cool, that's a father's love. And 
That's nice, but there is something deeper going on here. You know, back in those days, there was a ceremony called the Kaziza. It was literally a shame ceremony. And the elders would sit at the gate of the city and anyone who had left in shame and walked away in in some sort of act that would break relationship and break trust, if the elders saw him coming back, they would take pots of clay that in those days were called earthen vessels. They represented life itself, that we carry life. And as the, as the, the person was trying to come back in, they would throw the pots of clay on the ground representing you broke trust, you broke relationship, you are no longer welcome here. So imagine the father. He sees his son covered in slop, covered in the evidence of where he'd been. And the dad gets up, the Bible says, and runs to meet him. And I can imagine what's going through his mind. I've got to get to him with love before they get to him with law. I've got to get to him with acceptance before they get to him with rejection. And the Bible says he took a coat and he covered his son. Why? So that as he was walking towards the elders, they didn't see where he'd been. They saw the acceptance of the Father and said, come on in. And friend, redemption is not about airing your dirty laundry. Redemption is about having a Saviour who can cover your past and walk with you into the future. There is no shame in where you've been when you run to the Father. And in this story, it's the greatest picture of redemption in three areas. Number one, the Father said, Cover him with a robe. Bring the best robe. And friend, I want to tell you that Jesus answers the accusation of my past in his constant redemption. That every one of us have the dirt of past. Every one of us has stuff of our past, the father didn't say clean him up and put a robe on. The father said, just cover him up. And I believe today there's some of us where Jesus wants you to know, I'll cover you. As we walk and outwork some of the challenges that maybe you've created, I'll cover you. As we together walk forward into the future. Jesus covers our shame, the marks of where we've been and the filth of our past so that we are seen as clean in Him. The act of salvation gives us the space to work out the process of salvation because redemption is both an eternal moment and a daily process. I remember we were over at a friend's house I actually think we were camping. It may have been one of the two times in my life I went camping. And there was a bunch of kids around and my friend's children said, hey, can we go down to the creek and play? It was right on dusk and my friend said, I don't want you going down there by yourself. And so then the kids said, oh, can we just go to the playground? Yeah, you can go to the playground. No problem, you can go to the playground. About 20 minutes later, we heard from over in the field where we couldn't see because the lights were dark, a little voice, 
Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I need you. My friend got off. He walked into the dark. About a minute later, he walked over to his tent, picked up a towel, walked back into the dark and came back with his eight-year-old son covered in the towel. I said to him, hey, what was that all about? He goes, he went down to the creek. He fell in the mud and he knew that everyone would know that he did the wrong thing if he walked across in front of us. So I covered him up and I took him to the showers. I cleaned him off and we'll deal with it later. Friend, Jesus is our constant redeemer. The greatest thing you can do, the greatest thing I can do when I find myself dirty because of my own challenge, my own humanity, is say, Daddy, I need you. Because He's not there to shame. He is there to answer the accusations of your past. And too many of us for too long have fought to shut down the voice of our past of you're not worthy and you've done too much. When if we would just say, Jesus, I need you, He will cover you over and not wipe it away as if it didn't happen, but make you clean as you work out the process of salvation. The first thing He said is bring the robe because Jesus answers the accusation of our past. The second thing he said was put sandals on his feet. Oh, well, that's cool. He had no shoes on. Put sandals on his feet. Remember in Luke 15, verse 17, he said, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to be with my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer to worthy to be called your son. You know, back in Jesus' day, servants wore bare feet. Sons wore shoes. So why did the father say put shoes on his feet? Because Jesus reinstates my identity. You know that when we're far away from God, we begin to identify with the things we've done, not the Savior we've got. And when we come back to our constant Redeemer, He says, I'm gonna put shoes on your feet, not because you need some new kicks and there's a new set of Nike Air Force Ones out, but because when you don't have shoes, you are a servant. But when you have shoes, you are a son. And I'm the, and God, Jesus the Redeemer says, I know where you've been, I know what you've done, but it doesn't disqualify the fact that you are still in the family of God. I still accept you, not as a servant, but as a son. You know, there's a huge difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation says, this is me, I'll never do any better. Conviction says, this isn't me. With God, I can do better. Amanda and I went to Bible college with an amazing lady named Jenny Fairbain. We did three years of Bible college together and in our third year of Bible college, it came out that Jenny had struggled with anorexia and bulimia for decades. 
It got to the point where she had so ruined her insides that she was on medication every day to compensate for the brokenness that she'd done on the inside. She found this amazing program in America that she went over to in Tennessee and she spent 12 months there and Amanda and I moved to America and on her graduation day from this program, we flew to Tennessee to be there with Jenny and I can remember it like it was yesterday, sitting on the end of Jenny's bed and she sat there with tears in her eyes. Saying, when the doctor told me I'd wrecked my insides, The enemy told me I'd wrecked my relationship with God. But 12 months later, I find myself in a place where I know God loves me like He has never not loved me. I know I am accepted and I never have been accepted. And I can't believe you're here to celebrate me graduating from the mess I created. And friend, I know there are people in church today and you think it's too far, it's too deep. That the best I can hope for is being able to come to church and maybe you worship with your head down because you don't think you're worthy of worshiping with your head up. Friend, look at me and listen to me loud and clear. God doesn't see you as anything less than a son and a daughter. If you would run to Him, He will take your bare feet and put shoes on them, symbolizing that you are not a servant. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Regardless of where you've been, the constant Redeemer will buy back your true identity. And then the father said, bring a ring and put it on his finger. Do you know in those days, a ring represented authority to do what you were called to do. A ring was a seal that, hey, this isn't just me asking this, this is my father backing me up asking this. A ring represented the fact that Jesus leads me to more. You may find yourself in a pig pen from time to time. I may find myself in a pig pen from time to time, but my destiny is not over. God wants to put a ring on your finger and lead you into the more that He has. Friend, you've still got a hope. You've still got a future. There are still better days ahead. And it's not based on who you are. It's based on the ring of God on your finger that says, that's my child and I've got a plan and I've got a purpose. Friend, Jeremiah 33 isn't just for a brand new Christian. It's for all of humanity at the point of redemption saying that I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of a future and a hope. And today I know without a doubt when I was preparing this message that some people are gonna feel the robe of God covering and answering. Some people are gonna feel the shoes of identity and some are gonna feel the ring of a, I've got a future for you. Here's the most amazing part. The father said this, kill the fatted calf. Look at me, I'm not a farmer. You get way too dirty being a farmer. But I do know this, the calves don't fatten up quickly. In fact, in one translation, it says the father said, kill the calf we've been fattening. You know what God's saying there? is while you weren't thinking about me, I was thinking about you. 
while your attention was elsewhere, my attention was on you waiting for this day that you would walk over the horizon where I could cover you with the robe of covering, where I could put sandals on your feet and a ring on your finger and redeem you back from where you've been and set you on a path into the future that I have for you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.